Welcome, friends, to Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast, where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. I am your host, Curtis Kopotic, and I am joined by my co-host, Amber Brown, and we have the honor and pleasure of talking with Forrest Richardson again. We're bringing Forrest Richardson on, just using his expertise as a certified safety professional. He is also the director of safety for Fit for Work, and he is going to be kind of wrapping up 2021 for us this year as far as OSHA's top 10 enforcement topics. While each of these individual enforcements may not seem very similar, there is a common theme. We want you to keep your ears peeled as to what the common topic on how to avoid a lot of the problems that come from these top 10 issues. (laughs) Yeah, we'll have a quiz for you at the end of it. So take a listen, find out what that common theme is, and uh, we're really grateful to have Forrest on with us. So a great way to finish off the year is overviewing the 2021 top 10 enforcements from OSHA. And thought it'd be a good thing to go through with you, Forrest. So if you can kind of kick us off and start with number 10, describing how machine guarding came in at number 10. Yeah, um, OSHA requires, obviously, every employer to identify workplace machinery that can cause injury to an employee. So this is going to be anything that rotates, spins, all the different motions, right? Uh, they talk about it being the point of operation, that being the point at where their hands or the body part is actually potentially affected to any moving parts, rotating, reciprocating, all of those kinds of things. But the total violations were about 1,113 violations for machine guarding. So that's number 10 on the list. I find it interesting that you think about the thousands upon millions of workers and only a thousand. That's pretty good, but you know, it's still not perfect. How are powered industrial trucks involved in being number nine? Well, you know, the biggest part of that, obviously, uh, for employers to keep up with is the the training, you know, to properly train, certify, and recertify forklift drivers. It's typically one of those low-hanging fruit things that that happens under 1910-178 in the general industry standard um, for powered industrial trucks. And those are about 1,420 violations for the year. So, you know, that's that's a challenge for employers. What we try to do is we try to help train trainers, you know, just give them the the right people in the right place on the right shift so they can keep up with that. You know, they have the competency to actually know how to train folks right, that makes sense, that actually adds value for preventing damage to the facility and shrink and well, not shrink, but breakage of products and facilities and things like that and keep people safe. Number eight that you had mentioned is eye and face protection. It looks like there were just over 1,400 violations for this. Can you expand a little bit more on that? This one actually was under the construction version of the eye and face protection, the PP standards of 1926-102 for the construction industry. But that's because they can probably because they can drive by these sites and see them. That's kind of the plain view doctrine. It's like a police officer, you know, pulling you over for speeding and seeing an open bottle of liquor in your <laughs> in your car. You know, they can pretty much do what they need to do. So employers have to make sure that uh, they use the proper eye and face protection to protect them against any kind of flying objects, splashes, drops of hazardous chemicals, or other workplace hazards that can cause injury to the eyes. And those total violations were about 1,452 for 2021. Moving down to number seven, we have fall protection. That more into the training requirements? Are there are there different violations for fall protection? In the, And again, this is out of the 1926-503 standards, and that's the construction side of things. Again, probably because they can drive by and they see them, or they might have 
kind of more frequent, you know, injuries that they might have to report in fall protection. But they're basically, uh, they need to be trained on, like all equipment, it's pretty much a given the same things. How to take care of it, how to maintain it, how to use it properly, and what it can't do, the limitations. Typically, that last one, what fall protection can't do, and they're either not using it at all or they're using the wrong type of fall protection system for the hazard that they have. And those total violations were about uh, 1,666. It's kind of like having that seatbelt, but, uh, but clipping it behind you while you sit on it. So it's... Right. <laughs> um... And in general industry as well. So, I mean, yeah, there's a little bit of a tweakage in terms of the kind of different things that they can do in construction versus general industry. But in terms of the hazards that you're looking for and how you approach it, it's it's pretty much a horizontal type standard. You can you, you deal with it the same way. And training is a big key one and sustainment training. So just doing it once a year, you know, it's probably not going to be good enough. Makes sense. Uh, now, lockout, tagout, uh, always up there and something of big concern with a lot of risk and hazard. We're still around the, about 1,700 for this. Uh, talk about lockout, tagout. Yeah, I, you know, this is kind of the meat and potatoes one. It's kind of it hangs out right around the sixth or the fifth one. You know, it's right in the core. This is the kind of the beef and the burger. And it's just one of those that's just hard to deal with, you know, because typically with your maintenance people, you've got very limited amounts or numbers of, of maintenance people at a given site. Maintenance, typically, they've got a, you know, the smallest area to work out of. They're cramming a lot of their stuff into small, whatever available space that they have, which represents some things. And then obviously trying to have, you know, they're running around trying to keep the plant running. They don't have a whole lot of time to develop these lockout tagout procedures that are required. And again, we say those are written in blood. There's a lot of folks that they get hit from uncontrolled energy, uncontrolled startup. And so this one was number six and it comes out of the general industry side of things. So for general industry employers, this is one right down the middle of the road, 1910-147, if you want to look it up and, and have some fun with your brain pain on your eyes basically comes out of employee training. You know, that's that's a tough one, how to do it properly. And you can't do it properly if everybody has their own standard of how to shut down a piece of equipment. So it's one of those things that if it's got more than two energy sources, you're, you're going to probably need to do a procedure on it. And there's resources out there to help you do that at scale and get caught up and and take care of. This is something that we do a lot of around the country. I see a running theme here as far as training and retraining within some of these citations. Um, oh, yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. Can you talk about hazard communication at number five for us? Again, number five, it's right in the middle of the road. So this is another one of those beef in the burgers, meat and potatoes. This might wind up being the lettuce or the tomato, little extra greenage there for you, but it's low hanging fruit or low hanging vegetables. It fell from second to the fifth place in 2021. Um, it's typically kind of up there higher because it is one of those low hanging fruit things, but it's basically, you know, if you've got chemicals coming into the plant, uh, if you're trying to get your hands around this, and this is 1910-1200, you got to identify, just identify who's authorized to bring chemicals into your plant. Make that person a co-owner of your HASCOM program. And so if they're authorized and approved to bring chemicals in, well, then they need to be maintaining the safety data sheets for the chemicals that they're ordering. And so you spread the load out so that your HR manager or your safety manager isn't running around trying to collect all these things, which fails 100% of the time. So it's just about getting the chemical inventory accurate and having the safety data sheets on hand. And also that applies to the training part as well, because you can't train your people on the chemicals that they're handling if you don't know what's in them. And, and that was 1,947 violations for 2020. 
little break in the action here to ask you guys a question. As a business or a company, do you feel the need to get ahead of your injuries instead of always cleaning up after them? We at fit for work can partner with you to systematically prevent injuries before they even happen. With over 750 sites and 20 years of experience, we have helped countless companies of all shapes and sizes do exactly that. There are four ways we can help you. On-site early intervention, industrial ergonomics, employee testing, and safety compliance. Go to our website, www.wellworkforce.com, and click on the Connect With Us button to learn more. Back to our interview. So going from hazard, now we're getting to the upper uh, echelon of the group. Dealing with scaffolding, this is an interesting one that I don't think a lot of people consider as a, a big issue, but just it, it's right there with hazard communication. Scaffolding, that again, that's in the construction industry. That's 1926-451. And the OSHA requirements for scaffolds in the construction industry, those are pretty deep. You know, there's a lot of different types of scaffolds. And this is one of those standards where OSHA actually spells out that you've got to have a competent person to oversee that part. So you really need to look at training them on the specific type of scaffolds. You know, they need to know the specific weight limitations, the construction requirements for setting it up, tearing it down rules for planking and decking scaffolds platforms correctly. And those are about 1,948, so almost 2,000 violations. And again, this is probably that plain view doctrine. They can drive by, they can obviously see that something's not set up right. And they stop and they take a look at it and they dig a little deeper and find out that it's just kind of one of those things. We, we do things a certain way over time and we can be unconsciously incompetent because, you know, we're just struggling to try to maintain the machine and the training and, and the sustainment training for all that. It's, it's a tough one. I've got a bad joke for us all, but moving up on the list, number three is ladders. Where, what's, why is this on the move? <laughs> oh, oh gotcha. Okay, it? I hear it now. That's good, that was good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We've got uh, ladders. It looks like it's moved from fifth place to third place. What's going on here, Forrest? Sure. Uh, you know, safety people have a really sick sense of humor. Uh, we have to and this kind of stuff. And and ladders is 29, 19, 26, 10, 53. So again, that's 1926. That's the construction standards. So OSHA issued more citations under its ladder standard than the previous year. And ladders rose on the top 10 list from fifth to third place. So frequent violations of OSHA ladder safety standards for the construction industry include broken or poorly maintained ladders, standing on the top step of the ladders, which is actually prohibited. There's a paragraph and a line item in there says, you know, we're not supposed to be doing that. And there's a reason why, because people fail and they fall off of these things. So total violations on that was about 2,026 violations for 2020. Forrest, I actually was thinking of you when I was hanging the Christmas lights on my um, house the other weekend. So, <laughs> so there, there is some good coming out of these podcasts. I was, I was thinking about uh, ladders and fall protection that day. So, I know my wife was just asking me, "Oh, we got to start hanging the lights." I was like, "What standard am I going to violate this year?" Correct answer is everyone when doing that. I was on, I was on the roof with my children helping me out. So, um, okay, now to continue with the bad jokes, don't hold your breath. But respiratory protection is number two. There you go. I like that. Huh? Huh? There you go. Uh, Nineteen ten one thirty four. So again, this is general industry under OSHA's respiratory protection standard. Uh, employers must complete medical evaluations perform fit testing. That's to ensure the respirators function properly. And this is where seemingly administrative functions, but it's 
This is where safety people get into definitely occupational health. That's the health side of it. And train employees on proper use and maintenance. Also the limitations, what it won't do. So a half mask will protect you up to this much. I think we do as good a job as we can, but you know, we really need to focus my personal sticking point on doing any kind of equipment training, doesn't matter what it is, is teaching them what it won't do. Because if you can teach them what it won't do, they've got what it will do most of the time. And we do this in a lot of musculoskeletal training, you know, back education classes, and we teach them the three steps not to do. And by teaching the three steps not to do, they learn how to do the six steps that they're supposed to do. It's a real efficient way of getting the point across. So it rose from number three on last year's list to number two. So they're looking at this a little bit more. And this is probably tied a little bit into the you know, the emphasis on COVID total violations on that was about 2,527 for the year. And rounding out the list, we've done top tens with you for the, about as long as this podcast is going on and fall protection is still at the top of the list and almost doubling the violations of the number two issue with the respiratory protection. So we've got fall protection general requirements at number one. Yeah, and that's 1926, again, construction uh, 501. Um, and the common violations that they cited was just the failure to provide the proper PPE and the fall arrest systems for employees. And that was about 5,295 violations for 2020. And these are typically, they're either not wearing it properly or they got the wrong type of harness. You know, they're a really heavy person and they've got kind of one of those universal fit ones. They might not be rated for the load. They might not be anchored correctly. And there's a bunch of different types of fall protection systems out of there, you know, out there other than just the general ones that we kind of see. It's one of those things where you really need to you know, have again, have a competent person that kind of understands all the different nuances of what your folks are doing out there and how to analyze and assess and select the right type of equipment. Well, thank you so much for going over that. It's always fun talking to you and get that year in review of 2021 with the OSHA enforcements. Thank you so much, Forrest. Thank you for having me. All right, quiz time. We, we said there'd be a, be a test at the end. So what did the, the main theme that you came across is, Amber? My favorite one, education, you guys. Education and training. Gosh, you could knock out probably four, if not five, half of those top 10 items by making sure that your training for your employees, retraining on all of these different topics is up to speed and up to date. Yeah, I really feel like the training is so important because we as humans, as much as we like to pretend like we remember everything all the time, things may be in our mind, but we need to bring them to the forefront of our mind, especially when those things can become a problem and for people's safety. So making sure that we're taking the time to train them. Exactly. Just keeping it in the forefront of your mind, you know, having it going over it and over it again, just keeps us fresh and preventing injuries for those employees. 100%. And we want to thank you for listening to this episode of Workplace Injury Prevention of Fit for Work podcast, where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. Please like and subscribe wherever you listen and to get started preventing injuries, please visit our website, wellworkforce.com. And remember, prevention improves lives. 